Howdy folks. Today we're going to be talking about family members that fall away. And I have with me a guest, my youngest son Trey, and we're going to be talking about this because this has hit our family and we have some personal insights that we're going to talk about along with the scriptures. Before we get into our discussion, there are those religious bodies out there that profess to be Christians. They're not Christians, but they profess to be Christians. And they teach that man cannot fall away, that once a person is saved, they are always saved. I want to start off with setting that aside with the scriptures so that we can talk about the content of our study with an equal understanding. When Jesus taught the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8, verses 13 through 14, he said, They are on the rock, are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among the thorns, which when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasure of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. So Calvinism says you're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, and that once you've accomplished that, you can't fall away. Jesus just said, that's stupid, right? You heard that, right? Because there are those that believe and in time of temptation fall away. In John chapter 6, Jesus in this context had uh, fed miraculously 5,000 plus, we know from other contexts, and as the text goes on, Jesus departs from them because they wanted to follow him for the food instead of the observation of the miracle. Later in that context, in John 6, 60 through 66, many therefore of his disciples, when had heard this, said, this is hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, doth this offend you? What if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, who should betray him, and said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man come unto me except or given him my father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So here Jesus says, I have foresight. I know who's going to fall away who's going to walk away. They were following him and they did not anymore. In Galatia, in Galatians 3 and verse 1, really read the whole epistle. Chapter 1 starts off with the fact that is just ungetaroundable, to use a little bit of a phrase, where the people at Galatia were in the gospel, but then were soon removed from the gospel. It was so much that Paul marveled at that in Galatians 1 and verse 6, meaning he wondered at it. It was, it was a, a marvel, marvel. It was like, wow. Well, to those people in Galatians 3 and verse 1, he said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Here were eyewitnesses of what Christ went through. They, they obeyed the gospel at one point. We know that when, when we look at Galatians chapter 3, they were baptized into Christ, verse 27, but what happened? They became disobedient. Does that mean somebody can fall from grace? In this same letter, 
Galatians 5 and verse 4, Christ has become of no effect on you. Whosoever you are that are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Same chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you a little leaven leaven at the whole lump. And we could keep going on and on and on throughout the New Testament and showing you that people can fall away. Simon the sorcerer did it pretty soon after his conversion. In Acts chapter 8, if you read the context, verses 12 through 24, there are warnings in the scriptures like uh, Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, where this is a letter that's written to the seven churches of Asia Minor, which, by the way, if you read chapters 2 and 3, only two of those congregations were faithful at that time. But Revelation 22, 18 and 19, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add to these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Written to Christians, their inheritance is going to be taken away. Folks, it is an abundantly clear New Testament subject matter that a person can be in Christ and they can fall away. It's why Christians are told in 2 John verse 8 to look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. It is why you are supposed to be among faithful Christians who can aid you in remaining faithful. In Hebrews chapter 3 verses 12 and 13, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. So we know from these scriptures, a person can be a believer, can obey, can be baptized into Christ, can fall away. At that time, of course, that, that doesn't mean once lost, always lost. You know, there's hope that a person can be restored. We see it throughout various texts in the Bible, like Luke chapter 15, it's 32 verses talking about the restoration of sinners uh, in three parables. Uh, we, we, we see in the New Testament, in James 5, 19 through 20, brethren, if any do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. We get this. We understand this. If you don't understand this, I just gave you scriptures that if you look over them and you study the context, and you are somebody who's true and honestly wanting to know the truth, no way in the world do you read these scriptures and think, I can't fall away. You can. People have been doing it since the first century, like we've already proven. And unfortunately, among all that fall away, this subject matter, and, and we're going to be talking about a specific application today, but in any case, brethren ought to be hurt by the fact that we have lost brothers and sisters in Christ. But there are times where it hits the physical side as well as the spiritual, where there are those that are in your physical family and they have decided that they no longer want to be part of the Lord's body. They no longer want to go to heaven. They decide that they love the world. You know, people in, in, in the Bible that Language is used in 2 Timothy 4.10. Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Uh, there are people that say, you know what? I, I just, I don't want to be a Christian. And whatever way they may phrase that. What Trey and I have experienced, 
is, is pretty cut and dry situation. My oldest son, Trevor. My brother, yep. Trey's older brother, whom he looked up to. Very beloved in our family. Very promising. When you talk about knowledge of the Bible, Trevor's knowledge of the Bible was outstanding. Uh, there, there were times where I couldn't preach. And in fact, one time, I, I, I right in the middle of the sermon, had a little bit of a medical issue. Mm-hmm. And I gave Trevor a heads up that you, you might need to step in and preach. And, you know, right away, not, not too many people can do this, especially picking up where I leave off with my thought processes. He picked it up and just flawlessly carried it out and preached the rest of that sermon. Uh, but what happened with Trevor in short is this. He was married to a faithful Christian young lady. She fell away. She left him. And that put him in a situation where he struggled with the carnal things of, of uh, a sexual nature. He ended up hooking up with a co-worker, hid it, kept it a secret for a while. Uh, but then, you know what happens uh, when people think one thing and doesn't quite work out the way that that well things got exposed well how did it get exposed he got her pregnant and at that point decided that he would confess his sin and the brethren we all tried to uh, work with him in this regard and so forth and so on but in January of 2020 so four years ago Trevor got before the congregation and told us all that he couldn't do it anymore uh, that The desires he had were more significant than he was going to be able to overcome. He, at that point, decided to be honest, wasn't being very honest before then, but decided to be honest and he walked away from the Lord. So Trey, where do we want to go with this conversation? We haven't really prepped in any way. Uh, Where do we want to go with it, man? I'll turn it over to you for a while here. Well, I feel like for us, this is a very good thing to cover because a lot of people will say, oh, you haven't gone through this. Oh, you don't know how it is. But we have directly faced the challenge. And even though it was extremely hard on on us, still is to this day, holidays and everything like that. Um, Having to withdraw from your family is probably the hardest thing you could possibly ever do. Because there's friends that fall, like brethren that fall away. But whenever it's your family, it is extremely harder and different so no matter what we always have to follow the bible withdrawing ourselves i'm gonna go ahead and go to second thessalonians 3 verse 6 now we command you brethren in the name of our lord jesus christ that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he hath received of us and then the steps that we have to follow over in eight Matthew 18. And this is in the case of a private sin. Yeah. Starts off a private sin. So what Trey's about to read is, you know, if something happens that's that's private, uh, that's and man, the situation with Trevor started that way, uh, but then of course had to become public knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's if it's a private transgression, if it's something between two people, go ahead. 
Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be an, unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So here there's nothing that says if it's your family, you can act any differently. If it's a brother or if it's your family, you have to withdraw from them the exact same way. Uh, over here in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So this is exactly what happened with Trevor. He loved the earth. The, his lusts, I guess, took over more than his love for God. So that turned his heart away completely. Trey, Trey was real close to this because when Trevor initially was, uh, uh, when his marriage was broken up, uh, Trey had an apartment and Trey had Trevor come and live with him. And Trey was in that time trying to strengthen his brother and keep him uh, uh, out of temptation, keep him away from, from harm. Uh, so the efforts on many levels, within our family, but within the congregation, uh, to help our brother in Christ, Trevor, to remain faithful were, were very diligent efforts. Uh, Trey's a little upset right now, so I'll, I'll do some talking here for a moment. Uh, there are times where people will say things like, well, you know what, but that's in your family. Things are different in my family. Look, uh, if you're living according to the scriptures, things shouldn't change. The word of God is the standard for everybody. Jesus, when he was facing Satan and temptation in the wilderness, said in Luke 4 and verse 4, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. If we're all living by the word of God, this shouldn't be well, that's your family and this is my family. It's, it's the same. It's the same scriptures. The applications are the same. Situations may be different. Things may be uh, a little separate in certain ways. Uh, let me take you to an example in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it was reported commonly that there was fornication among you and such fornication is not much named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Talk about problems in a family. This makes me feel better. This makes me feel better all around the, the, the board. I can't even imagine this hitting a congregation where, wow, this would be troubling, right? But the Corinthians didn't do anything. Verse two, year puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken 
from among you. So understand Paul's problem with the Corinthians is, why is this guy still a member of the congregation in the state of sin that he is currently in? He says in verse three, for I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as your unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So listen, when there is sin among the brethren and it is not addressed, that sin is going to spread. The mentality is going to spread. Fornication was a problem in Corinth. You see it when you look at chapter 6, when you look at chapter 7. To allow this man to stay there it would have just been a growing problem. Uh, doesn't matter whether the child is the child of a preacher or the child of whoever else or whether or not they're even mem their families are even members of that congregation. It, it is all the same. You know, back at the 12 minute and 30 second uh, mark of this podcast, Jesus, or Jesus, I'm sorry, Trey just elevated my son there. <laughs> Quite the standard. Said exact the same way. You know, here's something that I think a lot of people don't consider. When it comes to having to deal with people that fall away and, and, and having to withdraw ourselves from them, separate ourselves, you can't be a respecter of persons. You can't say, well, this rule applies to this person, or in it, but it doesn't to this because of this reason or that reason. You know, in James 2.1, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Same chapter, James 2 and verse 9. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin or convince the law as transgressors. We cannot show favoritism. Here in the congregation in El Paso, where Trevor was, where, uh, where uh, my family are members, nobody could look at Trevor and say, you know what? Because he's Brian's son, we ought to give him a pass. Or because his wife left him, we ought to handle this with kids' gloves. Now, the scriptures are the standard regardless of what a person's going through. Be because you're going through a hard time doesn't justify your sin. We can't be partial. We can't show favoritism. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 21, I charge you before God and Lord Jesus Christ and elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. And that, that fits with the scriptures teaching us not to have respect of persons. To have respect of persons is not good for a piece of bread that man will transgress. That's Proverbs 28 and verse 21. And when you do so, you know, you can't say, you know what, this is my family member. I'm going to move the goalpost using a little football illustration there. You can't move the goalpost. You can't make it further away. Well, I'm going to give this person extra time or extra space or, well, you know what, we're just going to justify it in regards to this. No, you can't move the goalpost. You can't have respect of persons. It's just not good. Proverbs 18.5, many scriptures in the New, in, in the New and the Old Testament teach us not to be partial. Uh, now that Trey's kind of regained his composure a little bit as we're sitting across from each other, and I can tell, uh, I'll let him get back to some thoughts that he wants to bring up. But just in line of respect of persons, I want to bring this up. I teach brethren uh, when it comes to doing the work of evangelism who have children. I teach them, do not force your children into Christ. Don't force your children to be immersed. 
Don't make your children obey the gospel. Uh, Trey is my youngest son. Uh, just to kind of give some thoughts here, uh, Trey, in our household, what kind of pressure was put on you guys to become Christians? None. Zero. He put it 100% on us. You didn't bring it up at all. It was always us that brought it up. And then you would try to talk us out of it, making sure we were actually wanting to go with that kind of commitment. You know, I do the same thing, whether you're my child or not. With everybody that I have Bible studies with, I teach them count the cost of discipleship, right? That's what Jesus taught in Luke 14, 25 through 33. There were great multitudes with him. He turned and said to them, if any man come to me and hate not, that is in preference sake, his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever doth not bear his cross come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and count the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, is not able to finish it, all that behold begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is a great way off, he sendeth ambassadors and desire conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all he hath, he cannot be my disciple. This fits our discussion today in multiple points. Number one, prior to conversion, everybody has to measure that it's going to be Jesus first from this point forward. So we taught our children, if you want to obey the gospel, you're going to have to love the Lord above everybody else. In fact, we had this conversation uh, with Trevor and Trey. Remember this, Trey, where I said, what happens if I become a false teacher? I got to leave. Or you got to you got to leave. Right? Can't it, We can't be um, in that situation anymore. Both my boys, when they decided to uh, become Christians, were in their teenage years. Put it to them. Are you willing to be homeless? I remember that exact phrase. Are you willing to be homeless? If I decide to start teaching something that's false and you have to oppose me, are you willing to be homeless? What, what if I divide the congregation and everybody sides with me? Will you stand against me? You know, will you oppose? Will you stand? Because if you're going to become a disciple of Christ, it's him first. Folks, I do this with people that I study with. I did it with my children. Nobody had to become a Christian to live in my household. It was complete free will because from Genesis chapter 2 throughout the throughout all the time of this earth, God gives man free will. If you want to spend eternity with him, you can choose to do so in obedience to him. If you want to spend everlasting destruction uh, if you want that to be your future, God gives you the free will to choose that. So I've done that same thing. I've given my children that free will the same way that I taught others. You can choose to do so or not and expressed it to them. Listen, the relationship changes. When our boys became Christians, it was, you're going to be treated differently. I'm not going to treat you like a child anymore. Your brother first before a dad. Your brother first. I know I even wrote articles and taught sermons on that. You can probably find them on my website. We're brethren first, I think was one of the titles of an article. Uh, same way in, in marriage. Uh, when you're married, and your husband and wife, your brethren first. That is the eternal relationship 
that will transcend all things that are fleshly and earthly. Having said all of that, the difficulty of this particular discussion is the fleshly, the carnal, the physical things. When you when you have somebody in your home for 20 some years and then in a moment that relationship changes it's difficult. You want to pick up with your thoughts? I'm not sure. I was kind of out of it for a second if you covered Matthew 10, 34 through 37. I did not. Go ahead. All right. So this this hits really good because this basically just hits what we were just talking about. Uh, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So basically what we're just talking about, him saying we have to, I would have to be willing to be homeless because I was like 12 or 13 at the time, don't really remember. But with that happening, I would have to be okay with leaving everything, even if all the brethren sided with his false doctrine to follow God more than anything else. So when we look at that, Jesus' definition of family, uh, I, I know uh, Trey was thinking along this line, who is family when it comes to spiritual things? So over here, Luke 8, 19 through 21. Then came him, uh, this is, this is uh, Jesus, then came uh, to him his mother and his brethren and could not come at him for the press. And it was told him by certain, which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. So basically he said fleshly family means nothing whenever it comes to following God, pretty much. And that's kind of contrary to a lot of people's mentality. Uh, most most people that I've met in life that are religious have followed whatever religious beliefs they have because that's the family's religion. That's not the way Jesus teaches. And it's not the way the church of our Lord and Savior is supposed to be uh, organized. It's supposed to be by the free will. But a lot of people, they, you know, they want to be united in religion. So I'm going to follow what grandma and grandpa taught and what mom and dad taught, and then our children are going to be whatever, you know, we are, uh, so forth and so on. And with that, a lot of people think God's ultimate goal is to have family unity and family first. But like Trey read in Matthew 10, 34 through 39, it's not family first. And as he just read in Luke's account, the family is those that do the will of God. If you're a Christian, your spiritual family is your eternal family. Everything else is physical. It's carnal. And again, not to downplay that, we're talking from experience here. It hurts different when it's your brother in the flesh as well as your brother in Christ. When it's your son in the flesh as well as your brother in Christ. I can't even imagine spouse. I haven't experienced that, but you know, at the time I'm recording this, I've been married for 28 years, be 29 here in a couple of months. I cannot imagine if Katrina were to look at me and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to walk away from 
from the Lord. And, and I know she probably would be just as dumbfounded if I turned and did something stupid like that. So I'm not going to speak from experience on that. Uh, that would I know this. It would even be worse than my child. Uh, my spouse is, uh, you know, my primary love in life has the longest relationship. And in my life, that's the longest relationship I've had with anybody, uh, even my physical parents. Uh, my marriage has long outweighed how much time I spent uh, with my physical parents, the relationship we have, the time that we spend together. We're inseparable. Uh, we might as well be joined twins. It's like, you know, we're, we're together all the time almost. I mean, I work at home. Uh, my office is in the house, so I can't imagine. But back to our subject matter, is it that Jesus wants peace in the home? I want to read a parallel to something that Trey brought up. He read the Matthew 10 account. I want you to listen to Luke's account, Luke 12, 49 through 53. Jesus says, I'm come to send fire on the earth, and what will I, if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straight until it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I'm come to give peace on earth, I tell ye nay, but rather division. Now notice how he describes the division. He says, from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father. Yeah, now I get that. I understand this more than I ever have in times past. He says the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I get this. I've lost a daughter-in-law. I was part of a family where there was division and, and uh, my daughter-in-law's name was Myra and her family did not want anything to do with our family. We've experienced the carnal division and the spiritual division and brethren, it hurts. Ladies and gentlemen, it hurts. Hurts. Trey had mentioned earlier that it's the most difficult thing that he's experienced. I would say to date in my life, I've been through unspeakable difficulties and truly losing my son uh, spiritually has been the most difficult thing. Uh, you've been hit on both sides with it having to do with that. Your, your son, daughter-in-law, your dad being a false teacher. You've been hit on all sides. Dad being a false teacher pales in comparison. Yeah. There's just a different relationship. I mean, folks, I don't know. I'm not speaking for anybody else, uh, but I'm going to speak, you know, from me. And 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 I don't think that the way I'm thinking is wrong. You know, when you look at uh, marriage, when you look at the way God intended it in Genesis 2:24, a man shall leave his mother and father, shall cleave to his wife, and there be one flesh. You go out and you start your own family, your relationship to your father. And I understand that, you know, Trey, for example, it, you know, if he finds the right woman and he gets married, his relationship with his family is going to be different than the way he looks at me. Now, the way I look at him is not going to change. And I know this because when Trevor got married and he went out and started his own family, Katrina and I said, you know, we need to back away. Boy, was that difficult. Especially, you know, when, when we observed different trials and things that they went through. It was very difficult. It's different when it's your child versus when you are the child. Uh, it's very different. It's, it's, and, and it's not unintentional from God's standpoint. Uh, when you go and you start your own family, that's, 
that that child you have is different. The way my father's a false teacher and and, and I've had to mark and, and withdraw from him uh, according to Romans 16, 17, and 18. And and that was difficult, but nowhere near as difficult as, as what I've faced with Trevor. And there's been a lot of time uh, in the one versus, you know, four years with, with Trevor, but with Trevor, it feels like it was, okay, so I had to get back. <laughs> <laughs> so something else I want to cover, uh, people always say, whenever people fall away, it's like, oh, you're not being loving. You're not giving them their chance to come back. Uh, how we show love is actually giving them that, making them feel. I'm just going to read. The scriptures speak better than anything else. Proverbs 27.5 says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. So us rebuking them and wanting them to turn back to God is more loving than anything you can possibly do. Because you want them to be in heaven with you. You don't want them to be burning in hell. Like The biggest thing you can do is want them to turn back. And then Revelation 3.19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. So rebuking them, making them feel... They should be able to feel remorseful and want to turn back to God for repentance to occur <laughs> sorry folks just uh, getting a little choked up here um, we're taking turns it's okay <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a tough podcast this this is tough this is tough you know I hope Trevor someday will listen to this uh, buddy I love you and I hope you come home But listen, the point that Trey, the point that Trey was making about feeling shame, if we, if we let somebody walk away from the Lord and we just let them go and we don't do anything to cause them, repentance is not going to occur. When we look at what leads to repentance, Paul writing the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he said in verse 8, for though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you're made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. You know, when you look at the parable of the prodigal son, I had mentioned earlier, Luke 15, the, the whole chapter. There's a point where the son leaves his father's house. And, and we're not talking about, you know, we're talking about a parable that Jesus taught. The illustration is leaving the family of God here. And he goes into... Uh, a far country and and wasted his money and just profane living there arose a famine in the land luke 15 14 so in verse 15 he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and 
And he sent him in the fields to feed the swine. If you could imagine for a Jew who would look at swine as an unclean creature, here he is feeding them. And when he would have fain filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. So you come to the realization the world is not what I thought it was going to be. I know uh, when my oldest uh, decided to, to go and be with a woman that he has no right to be with and to, to live in a daily state of fornication. Uh, I had told him before that, you know, in Christ you have an unbelievable family. Uh, and I'm not talking about our physical uh, the local congregation, for example, here in El Paso, and not just the congregation here in El Paso, but brethren that we know throughout the world uh, that love one another and are there for one another. When you walk away from the Lord, you give up a relationship with God and you give up a relationship with the spiritual family of God. That is second to none. Second to none. That support system. So this idea and this parable in verse 17 of Luke 15, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. This is the purpose of brethren withdrawing from the erring is so that at some point in time, they come to a realization not only of what they've given up in their relationship with God the Father, but what they've given up in being with the family of God, that missed spiritual fellowship that we have one with another. And come to yourself. When you're out there in the world and nobody cares about you, and, and it, they only care so much as you have something to offer them, because this whole world lieth in wickedness, 1 John 5, 19. And, and for that person who has walked away from the Lord to say, wait, what have I given up? And the worst thing is, he knew all this stuff. He knew he had a support system, but he exposed himself to spending time with this woman when he could have been like, hey guys, I need you guys here with me every day. Make sure I'm not doing something stupid. But he knew that, and he lost it. And I don't know what he thinks to this day, I don't know if he's drinking, trying to get out of his mind, thinking about it or anything like that. But I honestly don't see how he couldn't think about it. But whenever the lust of the world takes over, I guess it's just different. It's hard for me to fathom. Yeah, folks, the challenge is, is real for family, especially if you love your family, if you're close to your family. The challenge is real especially if it's your child and, again, unimaginably, uh, one spouse. Well, what are you going to do? Are you just going to ignore the scriptural commands? But beyond the scriptural commands, I, I want to bring up a thought. And my wife and I talk about this because, unfortunately, uh, it's still, even though it's been four years Yes, it's like it just happened yesterday still. And we've talked about this. What if the Bible didn't command you to withdraw? Or what if there was some qualifier that says, unless it's your, your child or whatever, uh, what, what, what would that be like? You know, 
I'll just we'll just take the sin of fornication. Uh, I have a grandchild out there that I've not met, or I, I'm going to assume I have a grandchild. I don't I don't really know what's going on. I haven't had any contact with uh, anybody that knows anything uh, personally. Trey may know more. He knows people that mutually uh, relate with with uh, Trevor, but. Uh, getting getting off point here <laughs> what if what if second thessalonians 3 6 through 15 didn't exist what if first corinthians 5 didn't exist what if first timothy 6 second timothy 3 what if what if scriptures that teach us that we have to separate ourselves what if ephesians 5 11, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness but rather approve them what if these scriptures didn't exist what what if if there was a qualifying verse what if Fourth uh, John, there's not such a, a book in the Bible, but what if Fourth John chapter two and verse eight said, "And I, brethren, not I, but the Lord, command: Let every one of you who has a member of your family who has departed from the faith, let them remain in your family, that the grace of God be expounded to the world." I don't know, right? What if some verse like that existed? I would find continuing the relationship to be harder than withdrawing because here would be a person that would be sitting at my table that is in a state of sin and I'm ignoring it you know scriptures like Psalm 119 104 this isn't Brian's opinion but through thy precepts I get an understanding therefore I hate every false way so here I'd be looking at my son and his adulterous wife or whatever they are and and he would be sitting at my table with her. There is absolutely no way five minutes goes on before I say something. It's not possible. You don't have that common ground anymore. Like you don't have, you lose everything. Here you are sitting in my house with your arm around a woman you've got no right to. Like everything's fine. Like everything, no way. And, and... Let me tell you this, what the way Trevor walked away was honorable. Mm-hmm. He didn't continue to put on a fake show. I appreciate that. He saved the brethren a lot of heartache. Uh, he did what we raised him to do. Uh, I have taught, whether it's my family or not, if you're going to go to hell, go with charcoal in your underwear. It is better not to fake it and try to make it because mm-hmm. you're not going to. If you're going to fake it, the punishment is going to be eternal damnation. Faking it does no good for you or anybody else. Having said that, I, I just think about, you know, we just had November, December. Our family has some, some traditions that we go through. We have a meal on Thanksgiving, and it was very tough, uh, very tough for us. I had quite a few tears that day, but not just, you know what, it's every day for me, but... Uh, but there's moments where memories come up. And you know what Apple products do to you? Apple products memories. bring up memories. <laughs> and don't you know how many times I'm just sitting there and I've got my mind in the, in the Word of God and I'm, I'm preparing and then my phone does a little ding and here's a memory and here's my little boy. You know, not long ago was a picture came up of uh, when he was a baby, I was laying next to him on the couch. Man, it's heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking, and it's hard, and I miss him. But what would be harder is that Thanksgiving meal 
with his adulterous woman sitting there. Proverbs 29, 27 says, an unjust man is an abomination of the just, and he that is upright in the way is an abomination of the wicked. Both Trevor and I would hate each other more sitting at that table, and worse would be done sitting at that table than not. God's wisdom, if you're a righteous person, you don't want to be among abominations like that. God's wisdom and having you withdraw from people is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I've always taught that. But I understand it to a depth that is beyond words that I have. I know that God has saved me more heartache than he's caused with this instruction to withdraw. Trey, you were going to say something? So say you do have a family member, you do withdraw, withdraw from them, but they are at that Thanksgiving table. So in Jeremiah 23, 14, it says, I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem an horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers, that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. So you don't want to make them feel justified by them walking away from God. It's like, oh, I'm here at Thanksgiving. Everything's fine. They don't care. I walk away from God, blah, 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 blah. Right. You want that discussion where they're at work. Hey, do you have plans for the holidays? Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, you, you don't go over to your parents' house? Well, I'm not welcome there. Yeah. You know, and as bad as that is to feel that way, you want that to hit. I'm not welcome at the house of the people who love me most on earth. I'm not welcome because that has a spiritual import. God, your father isn't going to welcome you into his house either. He has taken away from you eternal life. That ought to be felt here on earth because what is to come is even more. And I don't understand how a loving parent with what Trey just read out of Jeremiah 23, 14, how you can allow somebody you love to think that they're in a right relationship with God or to pass it off as though it doesn't matter. Nothing's changed here. Everything's as it was. Oh, come over here. I'm, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to see you. How? In what state? You know, Romans 12, 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. That word means hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Think about the hypocrisy. To say, I love good while you're having fellowship with evil. And you're just clo closing your, your eyes to it. How can you do that? How could a child of God not abhor that which is evil. And we're, we're told to depart from evil, to do good in Psalm 34 and verse 14. Psalm 97 and verse 10, ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. How? You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 101 and verse 3, uh, in, in a great context here, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. How could you possibly pretend that things are okay while you're sitting at the table with somebody that's going to spend eternity in hell? They know it. You know it, but you're not even talking about it? Nothing? How? You don't have that common ground anymore. And like, and like you were uh, talking about Whenever we withdraw from them, also God does as well. Well, God does before us because he knows people's hearts, of course. But whenever we withdraw from them, God's already like, you're out of my house. So I do have a couple verses on that. Um, so the first one I have is Isaiah 59, 1 through 3. 
Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, and that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. So, whenever we separate ourselves from a fallen brother or sister, God's already there. Like He's like, I know already, and knows their hearts. And also, 1 Peter... 312 for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil it's like you don't even have to say anything after that the Bible says it all yeah to, to think that someone claims to love somebody and they continue to keep company with that person so that that person has no earthly uh, benefit to turning back to God, I, I mean, man, you're not helping somebody. Hey, look, I understand the pain that comes with a family member falling away and having to withdraw yourself. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Not just because God commands you, although that's sufficient enough, but also on the standpoint, if you ever want to see that person turn back to God and spend eternity in heaven, take action. Do something so that they understand things are going to be different. You know, <coughs> how can you ignore it? How, how can you just, just let it be? I mean, yeah, you know, this is a, a pretty emotional uh, subject matter. Uh, I've preached on it, man, 20-some years uh, uh, over and over again. Last four years, got to tell you. Whenever that hits home, it's a lot harder. <laughs> when it hits home, it's hard. Uh, it, it's it's very hard. It's a hard subject matter. Uh, but it's the truth. And God's wisdom, I mean, I, I'll tell you what. I cease not to marvel. The more and more I live and age and understand things. You know, it's one thing to read the scripture, to know the words, to understand it in the context of what it is. But then when you when you get when you get it, when it hits home, the wisdom of God, I, that's why I just trust him blindly. Uh, I, I, I know when he tells me to do something, it's, it's before my betterment. Yep. And that's that's the father to the child relationship, right? Uh, why? Just trust me. <laughs> right? Just trust me. I got, right? I got your back. Right. <laughs> Romans 11, uh, verses 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed to him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. God knows better. And when he's telling you to do something like this, even though it's a hard instruction, the hardest I've had to go through, and I mean, I, I've been through it. You know, I've I've stood up and preached moving sermons. By that, I meant, I mean this. I knew that my wife and I and my three children who were infant, toddler, toddler, were going to be moving in weeks to come because I'm preaching the sermon. And I got up and I did it. And it was difficult to do it. I've done it not just once, but multiple times. Those were hard moments. But on a scale of 1 to 10, those aren't even on the scale in comparison to having to spend four years apart from somebody you love so much in the flesh. But God's wisdom is great. Mm -hmm. and, and I've thought it through. 
and I get it and I understand it. Not, not that I need persuasion. You know, I'm just talking to you real, okay? Just giving you the real thoughts. I've, I've imagined, imagined him sitting here on a certain day where we might be opening gifts. And I'm gonna tell you what, for a moment, there's a tear that runs down my eye. And then there's the wrath. There's the wrath. And, and it's how in the world could you throw away your soul? And then as a father, young man, my son, Trevor, as a father, what kind of life, if you think you love your son, what kind of life are you setting for him? Mm-hmm. What kind of life are you showing this girl that you th- think that you love in the flesh? It's more like lust in the flesh. But what are you showing her? If you care about these people, tell them, hey, look, this is what we need to do to go to heaven. We need to separate this relationship. I'll be a father but y'all need to obey the gospel and I need to be restored. And it is our hope as his family members in the flesh and in the faith that our actions would cause that response at some point in time, that he'd miss that relationship. Look, you can have the best of both worlds if you could just get away from the sexual side. Mm-hmm. You could be a father, you could be a son, you could be God's son all over again. And, and you could say, hey, look, this, this is the right thing, and this is the way to go about it. That, that is God's wisdom. God's wisdom is to bring about, like we read in 2 Corinthians 7, uh, 8 through 10, it's God's wisdom to bring about that godly sorrow. It's God's wisdom that you see in the prodigal son in Luke 15, the come to yourself moment where it's, hey, I got it. I see Trey's gears working over there. Uh, I think he's looking for something for us here. I think he's got some gold over there, maybe a diamond. I don't know, buddy, you got something there that you want to bring up? So I have Matthew, so Matthew 5, you're talking about how like you can make this work and stuff like this. That made me think of this. Matthew 5, is it 28 through... Twenty-eight through thirty. I think that's it. Yeah, Matthew five twenty-eight through thirty. But I send unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman and lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right hand offend thee, pluck it out and cast thee and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should be should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Become a eunuch if you have to. Being a eunuch and not being able to do anything sexual is better than hell. Amen to that. Amen to that. Now look, in a general sense, there are a lot of people out there that have fallen away. And some whom have been in our lives that we miss. And I would name names, but it's just kind of beyond the point. And, And there are people that... I know have moved to Kentucky or other people that have decided to do different things. Uh, one brother that, that I was close to walked away from preaching the gospel and went to Denver, Colorado, uh, the last that, that I knew of. Others going way back in the past that are in Pennsylvania, who knows what they're doing now. And then. Look, to all those people, it still hurts that they've fallen. Mm-hmm. I'm not downplaying that at all. There is emotion that comes with losing brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul in Romans 9, not even talking about brothers and sisters in Christ, but Israel according to the flesh. 
He said, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not my conscience also bearing witness with me in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. There are a lot of people out there that I want to see restored. I am not at all intending to dismiss those people. I'm just being frank. It feels different. When brethren fall, of course, it, it hurts. Like We have had many tears because of that. But it's just that additional pain whenever it's someone you love in the flesh. Yeah, it's twofold. It's like yeah. it, every time a brother or sister in Christ falls away, it's like a sword. Mm-hmm. But then when it's somebody that's in your physical family, it's like a, a jagged sword. You know, like it, a nuke. It's a, it, <laughs> it, it cuts and turns and it hurts a different way. That's just That's just being honest, folks. And if you have family members out there, you know, and, and and they have erred, do them justice and, and good service in withdrawing yourself so that they can understand the consequences that will come. Does that mean they're going to be restored? No idea. No idea. Some people won't ever be restored. I, I, I look forward to my phone ringing uh, or the, my doorbell ringing or or some Sunday uh, for you know my oldest to show up just as just as much as I do for other people. And you know what? The whole process would be different. I've thought that out. Um, There are some things that happen within family members that might make the process of repentance a little bit more challenging. Uh, Trust being rebuilt and things that need to be uh, initialized. Nonetheless, here's what is there for all who have fallen away. You can be restored. Come back home. Come home. For those of you out there that have walked away from the faith that I know, Love you. Come home. Get in touch. I'll do all that I can to help you. Whatever you've done, however far you've gone, divisiveness, you know, different things that have happened over the years, there, there'll be some challenges. But it's worth it. Heaven is worth it. Don't continue to be lost. That's my thoughts. Trey, you got anything? that? Man, whenever you told me to come up with an idea for a podcast and I came up with this, I had no idea how, how tough that was going to be. I had more thoughts. They're gone. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> yeah, folks, it's kind of been a roller coaster for Trey and I sitting here in this room. If you could just see our faces as as we've gone through where he's picked up at some points because I couldn't and I've picked up at some points uh, because he couldn't. Challenging subject. Uh, that's how it is. But you know what? Here's what's really sad. As hard as it is to go through this life, all eternity, it's going to be worth it in the end. And at the same time, I just hope before that end comes that all those who are lost come home. Mm -hmm. That's what we got for you, folks. Hope it's been a thought producing uh, podcast. Uh, Hope that we've done some help for you. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, Till next time. I will say goodbye.